Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back. It's now bowl season, which it's good. Season's over almost, but we got a few games left. If you found our podcast, thank you for listening. That means you searched Las Vegas Bowl and found us. MWWire.com, that's our website. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. And I do things weird to start the show, and that's what I did today. Yeah, whatever works, right? Yeah, if you found us, we got to introduce ourselves. We figured you searched Vegas Bowl or something, but we're here. We're going to do bowl previews a little bit differently. We're just going to do, well, maybe not for you. Maybe it's your first time. We're going to do, um, each podcast will be a preview, so... We're talking right now the Vegas Bowl. The other game that Saturday, you got the uh, New Mexico Bowl, but we'll get to that in another podcast. So if you listen to this one and you like it, subscribe and find the next one. Simple enough, right? Oh, yeah, and, and be sure to like rate us, leave reviews. <laughs> yeah, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Blog Talk Radio, tell two friends, and then tell have their friends tell two friends, and their friends tell two friends. So we have a giant pyramid that's not a scheme. If you know anybody that's going to Las Vegas, have them listen in while they're on the road. Why not? Yeah. If they're driving from Boise, it's about a good 12-hour drive if you're going in. If you're coming from Eugene, happen to find us. I don't know how long that drive is if you're driving. Hey, if you're flying, there's still time to listen to us. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm saying pretty sure because I'm probably wrong. This show's going to be less than an hour, right? Fingers crossed. (laughs) It better be because I need to go later and get this one done. So, first game, Vegas Bowl, number 25, Boise State, taking to Oregon. Uh, do we need to really mention the last time these two teams played about a decade ago? Is that something people care about? Well, I mean, there was, what, something about a punch, right? LeGarrette Blunt, cold cocking, um, was it Brian Hoyt in post game? Byron Hout, yeah. It's or like, Byron Hout, like sorry. The, it's like that old line from, from Superbad. People don't forget. They don't forget. And there's, there's articles. There's something beginning of the year on The Athletic with um, both the guys. And then there's something recently, Kellen Moore talking about it. And, well... Boise's 2-0, and and that's the last time to beat them. Beat them and back in, what, 2000? Uh, see, it'd be a good person. We'd be a good research team if we had it. Was it 2009, I want to say? I believe so, yes. About a decade ago. So, yeah, that's that's the history between these two teams. They probably should play more often just because they're kind of regionally tied. And I guess the good thing is that uh, no Brian Harson as an Oregon coach. They, they hired Mario Cristobal. Yeah, so but, that was official from the last time we talked about it. Yeah, we figured Harson might be in the mix because he did interview last year. And we talked about you and I where, like, what would be the motivation for the Oregon team? Because typically when teams have a new coach into a bowl game or their coach gets taken away or get a better job, it's always kind of questionable how well they do. This is a little bit different just because Cristobal has been there all year long and it's and he's the guy. He's not interim. He's not taking over just because Willie Taggart's down at Florida State. He's the guy. He's been with them all year. Been with them all year. That continuity is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I guess we should mention before we dive into the game. It's in San Boyd Stadium, and apparently Rebel players are not happy. Boise State's practicing on their field. But I'm like, well, get over it. Well, too. don't lose to Howard. That too, and <laughs> maybe maybe win the conference, so you can play in your home game, another home game. Yeah, uh, but it's on ABC. You got Herb Street, Kurt Herbstreak. You have uh, Reese Davis. 
and somebody else, I forget who, but pretty good broadcast crew there. It's on ABC, so not ESPN, so check out the good old ABC, your local network, watch ESPN, all that fun stuff. Uh, good weather. Um, Oregon's a touchdown favorite. Seems a little steep, a little, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it all, right? Mm-hmm. So where, where should we start this game? Should we do injuries? Should we actually talk about Oregon? Do we talk about their season? Um, where should we go with this? I will leave that up to you. Oh, thank you. I'm kidding. No, let's start with injuries. There's a couple. Actually, no, I'm, there's a topic I was going to get into, but I'll get into it in off-season show because I don't want this to be extremely long. Let's get to injuries. There's a few injury things, and Boise State never really relays the actual injuries that happen. Here's the thing. If you read or listen or read whatever the guys are printing or hear from the press conferences or after practice sessions, they want you to believe that Jake or Alexander Madison are game-time decisions. Um, pretty sure Alexander, Alexander Madison's not going to play. Yeah, I mean, last time we checked, he was still on a scooter, right? Last time I saw, yeah, at the basketball game after the Mountain was title, he basically got his leg ran over late in the fourth, what third, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter of the title game. Looked pretty nasty. They didn't say they, they don't really say what it is, so I don't think it's a bro- break because he wouldn't have been on the scooter the next day if it was broken. Clearly. Mm-hmm. So, probably a high ankle sprain. Daddy's playing. Jake Rowe may be a little bit more likely to play because he did suit up for the title game, at least for a half. And then they're like, get out of your uniform. He came back and sweats in jersey after the half. So, obviously, Madison, that's like the, that's the biggest injury in this game because if he's not going to play, this could be an Oregon victory because the running game has – that's the reason when Boise started getting good during the year, like after the Virginia loss – after the Washington State lost it, when they played BYU was when they found the rushing attack because I was at that game and that was the first game in like three or four games since late 2016 when McNichols, Jeremy McNichols had 100 yards and there was a back that eclipsed 100. Mm-hmm. And now as it gets to BYU, the Madison rolled off a couple other ones, finally healthy. Because before that, they're going through Robert Mahomes, they're going through Wolpen. Madison was in there, but he wasn't ready to go with the ankle issue. Ankle issue. If, he, if he's not going to play... Is is good Brett Rippett going to show up? Is that enough to beat Oregon? I mean, <laughs> it seems like we always circle back to that question most of the time when we talk about Boise State. But I think that even if Madison doesn't play, I don't think that's necessarily a deal breaker for the Broncos. Because, yes, we just saw them play two hard-fought games against Fresno State down the stretch. But I think it's fair to say that the Oregon defense is not quite of the caliber of Fresno State's defense. So I think that even if Madison doesn't see any action, you know, the Ducks do have some talent. Like they do have three guys who ended up with double-digit tackles for loss in, uh, you know, Justin Hollins and Troy Diet, linebacker, you know, Jalen Jelks along the defensive line. But I think that if they're forced to lean upon Mahone and Wolpen, I don't necessarily know that that's a huge deal. I mean, you might lose a little bit of the explosiveness. Um, you know, if you recall me ever mentioning highlight yards per opportunity, and if you're not familiar with that, again, I'll refer you to football study hall, but I'll give you the brief explainer here. It's essentially how many yards a running back gets after what they say the offensive line has done its job. So after the first five yards, how many yards does a running back get? So I think the big difference of what you might be losing if Madison doesn't play 
is a little bit of explosiveness because you know Cozart, for instance, if they bring him in as a changeup to you know run every so often, he's averaging five yards a carry, which is good, but he's only averaging about three point three highlight yards per opportunity, which is not so good. And just to compare Madison to everybody else, you know Madison's averaging just over five yards a carry on the regular, and he's averaging about five and a half on highlight yards. Wolpen, by comparison, is only averaging three point eight and 2.4 Mahone is only averaging 3.5 and 2 so I think if you're missing anything when you miss Madison it's that element of explosiveness but I think that I think that Oregon's defense is you know soft enough where if they can soften it up just a little bit like if Wolpen can do what he did down the stretch in the championship game for instance they don't really need much for Brett Rippon and Cozart, if they if they let him throw a little more than they have in the last few weeks, I don't think it's going to take that much for them to exploit this secondary. Because I think that if Boise State's path to victory is anywhere, it's in using the run to set up the pass. So the run only has to be modestly successful, I think, for that to be, you know, realistic. Well, here, it's true, but here's the Oregon dress defense is actually pretty good. Like... Do you know they only give up three and a half yards per carry? I did not know that. It's better than I thought it was. Look at the Pac-12, see where they stand. It's number two, Ben Washington. It's better than Utah. It's better than USC, which are all well over, or not well over, but just over four yards per carry. Mm-hmm. But part of it, is, but here's the thing, they can be had a little bit, but because you look what they what happened against Stanford, again, Bryce Love, pretty good running back, 248 yards. Washington, same thing. It's a little skewed because they played Southern Utah, who's FCS, they played Nebraska, who's not very good. Like they allowed eight yards to Cal, and Cal's terrible. Mm-hmm. But here, like the teams are allowing bad yard, like a lot of yards against, or good running teams. And teams are supposed to stop; they're supposed to stop. Like I guess the a good example could be Utah, who has a okay running running game with Zach Moss. They got ninety one yards, and so but but Arizona with the uh, Tate, they only gave up one seventy one. Mm-hmm. So part of it is they when it's a really good running back, they do struggle. When it's not a good running back. They usually do a good job. Like, they're in between games. I would probably say their best rushing defense performance would be the Arizona game. Mm-hmm. Holding Arizona, yeah, 171, but Khalil Tate was quarterback, runs at will. They couldn't do much against Stanford. UCLA did okay. The yards per carry was like 3.8. 142 is not amazing, but that's okay. And that was lost for Oregon. But so I would put Boise's running attack even without Madison. Probably it'd be behind Washington, behind Stanford, and probably, probably – fourth best running attack right with Utah I'd say from how they've been running this year Mm -hmm. which would be about that might be a tough challenge for Boise State but there's while their average is good it looks like who they played they they can make there's some room to grow with this team I don't know if Wolpen will play like he did in second half because or fourth quarter because he only came in the fourth quarter essentially I'm expecting if Madison not to play I'd say Kozar would get more carries which I hate but I think he may get some more action running the ball just to get more rushing yards to mix things up. So, so that's why I think it's it's going to be a tough going. But I don't know. Maybe the pass defense is where Rippin and Cedric Wilson will come up big. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, if you look at you know passing down success rate, which you know basically anytime you get a first down on more obvious passing situations, you know Boise's just they're still right around the top twenty and. If you go back and you look at last week's championship game, that really was one of the big differences in the game where 
you know, Brett Rippon was just good enough. He was 5 of 11 throwing the football in those situations. And, you know, he's had some success in more obvious passing situations before. Like when they when they took care of business against Air Force, for instance, you know, Brett Rippon was 6 of 7. And that enabled them to really put the Falcons away early. In the first game against Fresno State, he was actually 6 of 9. So it's not as though they haven't been successful when they've been kind of behind the eight ball. Conversely, you know, if you look at what Oregon's done, you know, their passing down success rate on defense is also in the top 20. So, you know, it's kind of one of those strength on strength situations where you don't necessarily want to discount, you know, Boise's ability to move the ball through the air, you know, just because they're facing a, a defense with a lot of talent on it. My question is, you know, one of the big things that Boise's had going for them basically all season long is the fact that they haven't turned the ball over at all. And that ended up being a huge difference in the championship game, especially. And, you know, Oregon hasn't been great about turning opportunities into turnovers. Like for instance, just, you know, one of their cornerbacks, Arian Springs, 17 pass breakups. Ooh, 17. That's amazing. Zero interceptions. I don't get still amazing. <laughs> yeah, and and um, you know one of their other corners, Ungo Chuku Amadi, you know, eight pass breakups, three interceptions. So I mean, they do have some playmaking ability back there, but you know, if Boise can continue to do what they do, like you know, obviously Cedric Wilson's going to be the focal point, but in the past couple of weeks, you know, AJ Richardson's made a couple of big catches. Sean Monsters shown some ability, and even the freshman like Octavius Evans has you know stepped up and been a little more of a contributor in the last couple of weeks. So, yes, Wolfson's going to be their number one guy. He's going to get a lot of those targets when they really need to move the chains. But I think as long as they can avoid the backbreaking mistake, you know, even if the run game's kind of stopping and starting, even if Brett Ripon's a little bit inconsistent, it's avoiding those big mistakes that I think is what's going to really keep Boise State in the game. And also, while the guy had all those pass breakups, there wasn't really an elite wide receiver in the Pac-12. Yeah. Like, looking through what Wilson has done, like, Darren, Darren Car- Carrington, who was at Utah and Oregon before, really good receiver. But, like, nobody – he was their number – like, the number two in yards at the Pac-12. So, like, Darren, Darren Andrews, okay, UCLA, not bad. Washington State spreads it to everybody. But they had only one guy at 1,000 yards, and nobody averaged really what, what Wilson averaged over 17 yards a touch. Like the top guys are t- pretty good, 12, 11, 14, maybe 16 when you get down to a couple of Stanford guys who only caught like 40 passes. So this is arguably the best wide receiver Oregon's seen. Who they played in the non-conference? Um, they played Wyoming, Wyoming and probably some FCS team. They but played like, Nebraska. Nebraska, and they're terrible this year. But this could be the best receiver they've seen all year, I think. That could be true, yeah. And, and so they're gonna they're gonna probably put their they're not probably going to put their attention on him. Their DBs are good. I'm just saying overall, what the Pac-12 has provided to to go up against. There's like Karen, like the Carrington made some good plays. There's nobody, at least numbers wise. Because look at PFF. Wasn't Cedric Wilson all first team All American from Pro Football Focus or second team? Uh, I believe he was second team. I believe Gall- Michael Gallup for Colorado State was first team, and mm-hmm. Wilson was second. So yeah, you gotta guard that guy, and I don't. I don't really see them doing it. But then again, they're going to have to – like I, I have con- like we mentioned the running game already. I have confidence they'll be okay. This just Madison makes it better. But if the running game isn't going great with Mahomes or Wolpin, they might be able to 
adjust the pass defense to not allow do a couple tweaks here and there and not allow Wilson to get open or maybe an extra pass rush or something or drop mm-hmm. an extra guy. It's just there's just little things they could do if the running game doesn't go off for Boise. Yeah. So let's go to the Oregon side of the ball in offense here. So they have the they have a pretty good quarterback. You ever heard of Justin Herbert? I, I think have he's heard pretty, of Justin Herbert. So he's been hurt this year. And so also Oregon's seven and five record sort of deceiving. Yes. Because with him as quarterback, they are six and one. Well, and not only that, like it's basically a tale of two seasons. Like you talk about with Herbert and without Herbert. Mm-hmm. So just by a, a couple of, of shorthand ways of explaining this, you know, in in the seven games that he played, for instance, it, at football study hall, they have offensive percentile and defensive percentile. So there was just one game out of those seven where the offensive percentile was under 92%. And that was in their close loss back in September against Arizona State. Conversely, in the uh, in the five games he missed, there was only one time, which was in their win over Utah, that the percentile was over 24%. So you're talking about a huge difference in how this offense performs with and without him. And just as, as, as another way of explaining it, which I thought was really fascinating... You know, yards per play on offense in their in their five losses, dead last in the Pac-12, 4.69 yards per play. In the seven games that they've won, they're second in the Pac-12 at 7.2. So, I mean, that's a huge swing. And even by explosive plays, you know, in the seven games they've won, 57 plays of more than 20 yards. So that's basically eight per game. And... In the five games that they lost, I'm, I'm trying to remember what they lost. In the five games they lost, they've only had 14. So, I mean, this team is just better all around when Herbert is under center. And while Boise State's obviously got the strength on defense to match up, I think, pretty well with them. I mean, stopping him is easier said than done. And a lot of pretty decent teams have tried and failed this year. All right, so yeah, he... Obviously, they've won those games when he's in there. Here's the thing I'm noticing. He's missed basically all Pac-12 play, most of it. Washington State, he's missed. Uh, Stanford, UCLA, Utah, Washington. The be- is the best defense he's played? It could be playing at Wyoming. Is the best defense he's faced all year. And that's... Could be that Could be that Cal yeah, defense. The, yeah. Well, he only played part of the game for Cal. So... That's hard to tell, but so. He, but before he left, he was seven of eight for eighty-six yards. So, like when you're looking at his completion percentage mm-hmm. and like in yards, I know it was a blowout victory, so he didn't. They didn't really need him that much, but that was his lowest completion percentage outside of Arizona. Well, I guess Oregon State, but they didn't need him to throw. But like he hasn't really played a good defense. His, I'm pretty sure his Boise defense is as good or better than Wyoming. Is going to challenge him more, and so so that could be something where. That's true. His numbers are great. He's completed well over 60% of his passes, 10 yards an attempt, only three picks, only sacked six times, basically, what, a sack a game almost? We got Vandresh. You have uh, uh, Martin there. You got all these guys who can get to the quarterback and make plays. Moa will just be, cause havoc at the center position or against the other center. So, yeah, he's good, but, again, look who he's beat, too. So you got to look at it both ways. Yeah, and that actually might lead to one of the questions that, you know, uh, one of our actual 
<laughs> one of our other writers, Raja, had our Boise State writer about how big of a role is Leighton Vander Esch going to play in this game. I'm not going to make the mistake <laughs> of underestimating his impact anymore. So I'm going to say it's pretty significant because, you know, it, he, you know, even if he doesn't necessarily rack up the tackles for loss, what he does is really prevent, you know, relatively positive, like minor positive plays from turning into major positive plays. And what really stands out if you look at football study hall is the 16 run stuffs, three forced fumbles and stuff like that. So, you know, the way that I was talking about what is Boise going to miss if Madison doesn't play those highlight yard opportunities. Um, Oregon has a significant advantage in that. And, you know, they don't necessarily do anything fancy when they run the ball. I hadn't really seen a lot of the Ducks games this season other than the Oregon game. So I went back and watched a little bit of their last game against the Oregon State Beavers. And what I noticed is, you know, kind of what you might expect of a team that likes to push tempo and, you know, lean on one or two running backs to really carry the load, which is to say that they run a lot between the tackles. And, you know, Freeman's a huge beneficiary of that because, you know, their their line gets a lot of push. So, you know, guys like David Moa, first and foremost, you know, they're going to get, they're going to have their hands full pretty much all afternoon. But going back to the highlight yards, you know, Royce Freeman per carry, you know, he's averaging six yards per carry, but he's also averaging nearly six highlight yards per opportunity. And even his backup, you know, Tony Brooks James, he only has 86 carries on the year, but he's averaging 5.6 and 5.5. And, you know, Herbert's not a huge runner. Like he's only run the ball 29 times, but he's averaging seven and five himself. So between those three guys, what you're essentially hoping for if you're a Boise State fan is that the linebackers can basically prevent the big play. You know, we just talked about how explosive Oregon is with Herbert under center. But you're right, we haven't really seen them against a defense like this. So, you know, even if they don't necessarily get into the backfield and, you know, slow down Freeman and company as much as they might like behind the line, you know, if they're holding them to you know, second and seven, third and six and stuff like that, that could still be argued to be an Oregon strength. But I think that you'd rather have that than continually getting chewed up. You know, sure. So here's another thing about the offense for Oregon. You know, you got uh, Herbert there, but uh, Royce Freeman, he's not injured, but he may not play this weekend because he's a potential first or second really? NFL draft pick. And he might sit out that, that thing. Oh, uh... And he's pretty good. He's a good yeah. running back. He would. He's really he's a top uh, what top ten rushing yards. One of the best running backs in Pac twelve. If you didn't hear Bryce Love, you'd probably be hearing who Royce Freeman is. He did practice uh, this week. We're for those who are wondering, we're recording Wednesday. Um, I haven't heard haven't heard anything on Tuesday's practice because it's still the afternoon here or Wednesday's practice. Excuse me. He did practice Tuesday, but Cristobal Cristobal again um, demurred. Is that the right way to say it? Demurred. Okay, let's make it sure. I was, was going to say yeah. murmured. I'm like, why would he murmur to somebody? I don't know. But basically asked whether he'd, he'd definitely play Saturday, and that's not the case. So if it's on him, you have Tony Brooks-James, who is fully healthy, um, and no one's left home. I'm sorry, I'm reading this as I'm going here. Nobody has left home at that position running back. So they have all their guys there. But if you have – there's a big drop-off from Brooks-James to Royce Freeman, who if you have an NFL guy on your team and he's not going to play – that's where I think this could be 
it does like the if Madison doesn't play, I would say this for the running game. Freeman's better than Madison. Oregon running game's better than Boise State at full strength. But if Oregon's missing their top guy, and so is Boise, I'd, I'd probably maybe bring swing the edge back to Boise State because Mahone's played a good amount this year, as did um, oh geez, um, Wopen as well. He's played good a good amount this year. So I'm thinking that could be a swing an edge back to Boise State if Freeman does in fact sit out. Yeah, the only reason I might be a little bit hesitant, which you know again comes down to this question of, you know, yes they've been very successful in this one mm-hmm. regard, but who have they done it against? But I think it is worth bearing in mind that you know in the same way that you know Boise's success on passing downs lines up really well with Oregon's you know success on defense in those in those situations, you know in. In a lot the same ways, Oregon's offensive success on passing downs is a really good matchup for, you know, Boise State. And I say that because you you look at the last two games, you know, Arizona and Oregon State. Yeah, they're not great defenses, but I think it is worth noting that in those last two games, Herbert is 13 of 14 on passing downs. So he's shown an ability, I think, that, you know, even when teams know that they're going to pass they still find ways to create success and you know whether that's all on the quarterback or whether that is owing you know to his young receiving cork you know because dylan mitchell yeah he only has 33 catches and 374 yards on the year but you know the top three guys in that core mitchell charles nelson and johnny johnson the third they all have a catch rate of about 65 percent or better and you know, they all average at least, you know, 11.3 yards per catch. It's 11.3, 13, 15. So they know how to get chunks of yardage even when their back's up against the wall. So to me, I'm not sure either team has an advantage, even if their running backs are out. It's probably just going to come down to whoever converts more of those third and longs. Could be, but here's why I'm saying the running game could, because Royce Freeman... 244 carries. That's most in the Pac-12 after Philip Lindsay, Colorado. Like Bryce Love did not have that many carries. Mm-hmm. You had to go all the way down who the um, backup. I can mention. Oh, sorry, they have two guys back here. Sorry, they could have Khalil Bennett who had 80 carries. He did have 10 touchdowns, so he's only had 80 attempts. Their next guy down on the list here, that I had it in front of me moments ago, but apparently I don't because I'm awesome here. Um, well, it's it's Freeman. Oh, there it is. Yeah, okay. Who has 86 carries Sorry, I have it by yards and then Ben Wong has why. 80. So maybe it's yeah. So the workload between Boise's top three guys and Oregon's it top is three so guys is actually pretty. Similar, maybe my point is busted. Dang it! I, 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 well, well, I, <laughs> well. Okay, so one thing, <laughs> one thing I could point out, you know, which goes back to the point I made earlier about Boise's ability to take care of the football. You know, their three guys have fumbled six times and lost five of them. You know, Freeman, Brooks, James, and Benoit. You know, between Madison, Wolpin, and Mahone, they've only fumbled three times and lost it once. Mm. So, again, you know, there's an element of of care that Boise State's been able to demonstrate pretty much all season long. That's okay, no, that's a good point. Favor. Yeah, the carries are it's basically a wash. So maybe a little bit for Boise. If you include Madison, maybe. Or not Madison, but um, Cozart, maybe. Is that getting me out of it here? I don't know. Uh, we'll see, but that part of it too, like big plays as well, like the Oregon backs, six, seven yards per carry. 
So it's it's this game's going to come down to it's going to be close regardless because whether Madison plays or full health or Freeman plays, I would say this: if Freeman plays and Madison doesn't, I give obviously Oregon a much better chance of winning. But let's just say because if he's if it's game week and they're still mm-hmm. not talking about it, and they're I mean they're still talking about it and he's practicing, I, I'm prob I'm just guessing he's not going to play. Because they bring everybody back with him. I'm just guessing here. So if he plays, obviously, what I mentioned five seconds ago. But I think what it could come down to, it's like both these teams seem, am I correct to say that they're pretty evenly matched almost every position across the board? Like quarterbacks are, quarterback is a good strength for each team. Running game's a good strength. Maybe, I guess wide receiver for Boise might be the edge with Cedric Wilson. That's about the only like significant edge, maybe linebackers for Boise. But you mentioned all those Oregon guys getting t- TFLs, and so maybe receiver might be the only place where there's like, hey, I see Boise having an edge there, and that's probably about it. Maybe special teams with um, Avery back, Williams back there, maybe he gets something big. But yeah, that's that's uh, even evenly matched up team. It's hard to tell, hard to pick. That's why I still think that seven point line is huge. Yeah, it probably should be a little bit closer. Because look, that, the top receiver, Oregon, is Charles Nelson, only thirty receptions. He also and he only and, and let me go by receptions. Yeah. Actually, sorry, maybe I'm yards per game. He's only played in nine games, so your leading guy. I gotta see if he's even gonna play. But they spread mm-hmm. the ball around, and there's a reason because when you have your backup quarterback in there, actually it's Dylan Mitchell with thirty three. It's not much better, but they've had guys miss games. But like that's the only spot in Boise secondary is really good, and so. Maybe that's where that's where I'm thinking there could be the edge there is that uh, Wilson has a big game. What do you got? Well, here, here's a fun fact for you. Because I was just curious because I'm thinking about how this offense looks totally different you know, mm-hmm. between when Herbert was there and when he wasn't there. So Dylan Mitchell, how many catches does he have on the year? He has he has he has he has 33 catches on the year. Do you want to know how many of those came in, Four. in Oregon wins? I don't know. <laughs> Probably a lot. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. So 33 catches on the year, 27 in in Oregon seven wins. And then, you know, there's a similar kind of dynamic between, um, you know, Nelson. You know, Nelson has 30 catches on the year. 22 of those, you know, came in in six Oregon wins that he played in. So these guys have had success when Herbert's been in there, you know? So I don't know. That that that's a good point. I was just looking th- through with, you would think though, if here's sort of counter because if they're that good, the quarter, maybe the, was the backup quarterback just that bad. Maybe is that the problem? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you, you look at the stat line, Brackton Burstmeister on the year. Yeah. Not, yeah, I mean, he was a freshman, so there is probably a yeah. little bit of a learning curve right there. So maybe but, that's a good point yeah, because let's say those pretty... guys would well, average like five five catches per game, they could easily if say uh, Herbert was healthy, they would be mm-hmm. wouldn't be in this game first of all, but they would have maybe sixty. I think almost double their reception total, fifty each would be conservative. Conservative, I'd say. So maybe there's maybe there's not a I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's gonna be a tough. I I'll go with it. I'll go special teams. That's why they're gonna win because I every time I mentioned um, Boise get a touchdown or big special teams play, it happens. So am I going to get it right this one again? This time by saying Avery may get a touchdown or a big return like he did versus Boise and San Diego or versus Fresno and San Diego State. Do I dare jinx it? Maybe. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> eh, why not? 
I mean, I mean, if if you're gonna go in that direction, you know, I think it is worth noting that you know, as far as kickoffs, you know, Oregon's been okay in that regard. Like their 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 kicker Aiden Schneider, his touchback okay. percentage is under fifty percent. So I think there will be opportunities for Boise State to kind of dictate field position a little bit. You know, assuming they, you know, assuming they get have those opportunities. It's hard to say how many they'll have but maybe it is also worth noting that tony brooks james also does have a kickoff return for a touchdown yep for a touchdown i was just just looking it up maybe it doesn't matter these teams are mirror images of each other <laughs> so okay what would your difference be like i mentioned special teams which may not be the case i'll still say this i'll still say cedric wilson at wide receiver is probably the difference in this game I if voice think... is going to win I think the difference is kind of what we saw late in the game against Fresno State last week. I think it's going to be how much pass rush can Boise State create. And, you know, a lot of that's going to fall, you know, rightly or wrongly, I think, onto Jabril Frazier and Curtis Weaver. Because those are the two guys who've really gotten it done this year. You know, they have 15 sacks between them. And, you know, when you consider that I think Oregon's had a little bit more of a consistent pass rush this year. I think it's a little more spread out as far as that productive, that production. You know, they have, you know, one, two, three guys with at least five and a half sacks. So, you know, Oregon's probably going to be keyed up to scheme against those two guys. They don't want to get beat, you know, in the same way that Fresno's line faltered in the championship game. But, you know, if they can get free, if they can disrupt Herbert, that is something we haven't really seen a lot of this year. And if that happens... Good point, because like we said, this probably probably is the best defense outside of Wyoming they faced almost. So before we get to our score prediction here, here's how like the uh, team rankings, number five, those guys have it. They all have Oregon winning. One's thirty three to twenty six. One's twenty seven, or I guess twenty eight, twenty five. The over under is oh shoot, what is it? Uh, sixty one. So they're expected a decent amount of points here. And then if you look at like S&P Plus, they have Boise. This is one of the few places that has Boise State winning. They have oh, – I had to score here moments ago. Maybe not. It's basically, it's basically 30 to 20. Yeah, or 29-28. There it is. How, how do you get yeah. to 29? Safety? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Three to, four, to, Field goals. four touchdowns with one two-point conversion to win it. There you go. <laughs> I, Could be. Hey, that's, that's on the board, right? You can get, um, what, nine – Nine safeties and something else. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's not going to happen, obviously. Ten safeties to get 20 points. Uh, No. uh, I think it's going to be – like I'm going to go 24-21 Boise State. I mean, it's going to be a fun game regardless. Should be, yeah. I think, think, you know, taking Boise plus seven and a half – Probably one of the probably one of the easiest things that anybody can do all bowl season. Get to Nevada, place some money. You know, I based on what I've seen down the stretch with Boise's defense, I do think that even though Oregon might be like the most explosive offense they played all season, Washington long, State. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yo, I do kind of like this matchup for Boise, so I think it's definitely be, I think it's definitely going to be close. But I also have the Broncos winning. I'm going to say 31 to 28. All right, both of us have a three point edge. You have more points than me, so check it out Saturday. If you're at the game, let us know. Send us some pics. Maybe we'll put it on Twitter. How to get you sort of famous out there. So, 
But yeah, this game again, Saturday afternoon. It's the very first bowl game of the uh, whole college football bowl season. I guess, do you count the Celebration Bowl, maybe? Sure, it's in bowl, ESPN Bowl Mania, so I guess that counts, right? As the first bowl game. No one has to. <laughs> That's official list. But yeah, this game again, 1230 Pacific. If you're out there, let us know. Take in the game. Um, find our show. Review it. Like we said earlier, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, MWWire.com. We have our guy, Raja, will be down there at the game, so maybe he'll be up to some something for us. Uh, but yeah, enjoy the game, and let's see what happens in the first bowl season. And that's what we got for the show. And uh, next one, if you want to continue listening, you'll need to find the next track. I wish we could just kind of skip forward, but we're not going to do one show here. But we're going to move on. So, again, check us out at MWWire.com, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>